Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good Monday morning. Welcome to the Vince Coakley radio program, the start of another broadcast week. Hope all is going well in your world. A lot of things to talk about, especially political news, news out of Washington, D.C., the end of another presidential campaign, a very consequential decision by one U.S. senator not to run again. This will have a profound impact on the determination of who will actually control the Senate beginning in 2025. We will address that during the course of the broadcast. Also, we'll talk about the ongoing war in the Middle East as Israel continues its operation and the deaths just continue to pile up. I warned some time ago that this was not going to be pretty. It isn't. And there will be no attempt here to whitewash anything. Also, one of the things we will discuss, what's going on with our economy and how this is impacting so many lives right now. The policies of this administration, and in all fairness, this is not the beginning. Biden does not deserve all of the blame for the place we have now reached as it relates to our government and our financial standing as a country. It is not a good picture in the least bit. We will talk about that a little bit later on. But first, we begin with a positive story. I was so encouraged to see this. If you have not seen this video, I want to encourage you to do a Google search and watch this for yourself. As you know, in recent years, we've had people who have, frankly, cultivated a very hostile attitude toward police officers. Very hostile. And these are folks, most of them, most of them are honest people going out and busting their rear ends, putting their lives on the line for you, for me. And in many ways, it's a thankless job. Fortunately, the negative and I dare say hateful perspective some people have, was not evident on Saturday in the city of Houston. And like I said, you've got to see this video if you have not seen this yet. As Breitbart reports on this, a good Samaritan came to the rescue Saturday, grabbing a wounded Houston police officer by his duty vest and dragging him to safety as a carjacking suspect was shooting at the officer. I mean, I want you to imagine this scene. I assume this guy is not armed. He just sees an officer in danger. And the threat is not over. It's one thing to have been shot. It's another thing to have the guy still on the loose. And this guy steps in, steps in. The Good Samaritan, his name is John Lally. He, along with another officer, pulled the wounded officer to safety. And Lally stayed with him and encouraged him during the wait for paramedics. The officer had been shot in the leg. Lally recounted telling the officer, it's just your leg. It's just your leg. You hear me? Just squeeze my hand as tight as you have to. 
You know what I'm saying? Don't worry, I'm here with you. Houston Police Police Department Chief Troy Fenner praised this Good Samaritan, saying he's had trouble with law enforcement in his life. But Saturday, he and a few other citizens, along with our officers, when that officer went down, they pulled him to safety. I want to celebrate that. And we do celebrate that with him. Again, there are so many stories where there's controversy, officer-involved shootings, questions about whether it was a good shoot or a bad shoot. In this case, just someone who sees an injured officer in need and jumps in just when he is needed. By the way, the carjacking suspect who was involved in the shootout with police died later in a hospital. Fortunately, this officer is going to recover. He's going to be fine. In large part, thanks to courageous, a courageous man who was not afraid to jump in and make a difference. Still to come on the broadcast, a bizarre story out of the nation's capital. This is about as weird as it gets. I told you, folks, this time between now and next year, the election, I think we're going to see a number of just bizarre things. War, rumors of war. God forbid. There's always the risk of terrorism. And just human beings being human beings. I think we're in for quite a ride over the next year. Up until the election, and I'm sure beyond. But there's just something, just a sense I have about this next year. Coming up, we'll talk about a bizarre incident involving the Secret Service who ended up having to open fire. We'll tell you who they were trying to protect, and for that matter, what they were trying to protect. We've got important news on people deciding not to go forward with political campaigns. One, ending his presidential campaign. The other deciding he's not going to be a senator anymore. After this term runs out, we will talk about this. And I want to delve into a story that's probably not going to get a lot of attention, but we darn well better pay attention to it. I know you're concerned about your credit rating. How about the nation's credit rating? Well, there's news on that front, and it's not good. We will talk about that during the course of the broadcast today. As always, your phone calls are welcome. Our phone number is 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110. Still to come on the broadcast, we're going to talk about what's going on, dollars and cents, our government's financial policies and how they're having an impact on this nation's financial and credit standing. And another important conversation going on now about funding the government. It, it still blows my mind that we are still at a place where this process is not going the way it's supposed to. The fiscal year started in October. I point your attention to the fact that we are at November 13th. We do not have a real budget in place. We have stopgap funding measures that we have been doing for years now I hear, what are they doing? They're talking about funding the government through January or February. I mean, this is a clown show. It's disgusting, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Bizarre incident reported by Washington Examiner. Secret Service agent 
with a very important job, protecting President Joe Biden's granddaughter. Granddaughter Naomi opened fire after three people attempted to break into an unmarked agency vehicle in Washington, D.C. You got to wonder, did they know this was a Secret Service vehicle? On the one hand, you might think it's rather obvious. The agents saw three people breaking a window of the park's Secret Service vehicle while out with Naomi Biden in the Georgetown neighborhood Sunday night. One of the agents opened fire. Fortunately, nobody struck by gunfire. Two to three possible suspects fled the scene in a red vehicle. So, apparently these folks are still at large. What was going on here? And again, the question, do they know this was a Secret Service vehicle? Unmarked. Or is just a random crime, just looking to break into a car? Nonetheless, we know how serious this is by the fact of whom they were protecting, but also the fact that Secret Service agents opened fire. That's a pretty big deal. Let's talk about resignations. We began with Senator Tim Scott as we watch the presidential field dwindle down yet again. Tim Scott dropping out of the 2024 presidential race. This characterized by NBC News as a surprise exit, stunning his campaign staff after a summer spending spree failed to generate a lasting polling bump. Tim Scott just was not getting traction. If I may, before I go into the story, I wasn't in a place of endorsing or embracing any candidate yet. But I will tell you, I don't have any doubt in my mind, Tim Scott is a good guy. I love Tim Scott. I've met him a couple of times. We've talked periodically. I think we met in 2014. Solid guy. I think we've talked about his generally conservative voting record. Now I'm trying to remember. <laughs> there are so many of these scores that I look up that I forget. What does Tim Scott have as a Liberty score? Oh, 77. Okay. Could be better. Could be a whole lot worse. Whole lot of D's and F's out there. Nonetheless, he's a good guy. And I just want to say, before I go in to any more about this story, I've come to the conclusion, and, and this isn't new, that sadly, I don't think being a decent person amounts to much these days. It really doesn't. A lot of times these people get chewed up and spit out. What we're looking for in many cases is bombast, noise. And I'm telling you, now more than ever, we have got to have some serious substance, especially some of the stories I'm going to get to. I'll just give you an example before we even get to the financial stuff. We've got to have a president that's going to start holding the line on spending. If you look at the trend line of spending, you know, some are better, some are worse. The bottom line is no president has really done anything. To hold the line and basically tell Congress, you send this garbage to me, I'm not signing it. Nobody's done that. Somebody's got to do something different here. There's got to be a game changer. And I'm not sure I see a person who's ready to do that. So Tim Scott announced Sunday night he's dropping out of the presidential race. Shocking. A TV interviewer, even his own campaign staff, with an abrupt departure from the race. This was on Trey Gowdy's program on Fox News. When I go back to Iowa, it will not be as a presidential candidate. I'm suspending my campaign. 
I think the voters, who are the most remarkable people on the planet, have been really clear. They're telling me, not now. See, this is another thing I love about Tim Scott. Humility. The humility to say, I've heard from the voters. And it's not me. There's no whining. There's no complaining. There's no blaming anybody. Making wild comments about the media and whatever. They're just a recognition. It's not my time. And I'm perfectly willing to go back to just serving the Senate. NBC reports Gowdy, a former colleague of Scott's in the House of Representatives, appeared to do a double take as he made a statement. Multiple Scott staffers told NBC News they got no warning. He was ending the campaign, finding out only by watching him say so on TV. Scott's campaign even sent out a fundraising email not long before he announced he was leaving the race. We want to give you one last chance to donate this weekend and help Tim reach his campaign goal. Can you chip in to help Tim win? The campaign wrote. Wow. His decision coming amid efforts to consolidate the GOP opposition of former President Donald Trump, who has big leads in primary polls, including in the first caucus state, Iowa. Scott took 7% support there in the October NBC News Des Moines Register poll, putting him in fourth place. Scott's dropout also comes days after the third Republican presidential debate in Miami, after which he canceled a scheduled weekend campaign swing in Iowa, citing the flu. Scott started the 2024 campaign relatively little known compared to some of his competitors. His campaign and an allied super PAC spent nearly $25 million on ads in Iowa and other early states promoting him as an optimistic conservative. Scott did see an uptick in early state polls soon after, but money started to grow tight, leading to Sunday's dropout. According to a source familiar with the campaign, Scott never caught fire in the GOP debates, and his poll numbers simply stagnated as in-state rivals caught attention. He's dropping out of the race just as former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley is pulled into second place in early state primary polls. So we miss, we wish Senator Tim Scott the very best and hope all goes well. Another person making a decision, consequential decision that could impact the numbers for the U.S. Senate. We'll tell you about who this person is and how this could impact things. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. So Tim Scott's out of the presidential contest. There's more on the presidential front we will get to, including an effort by the Biden administration to neutralize President Trump on the age issue. This is going to be very interesting to watch. But first, let's talk about a retirement from the U.S. Senate. This is not a huge surprise. But at the end of the week, Joe Manchin put out news that he's not going to run for re-election. What he's going to do instead is travel the country to see if there's a movement to mobilize moderates. Boy, this sounds exciting, doesn't it? Can I just tell you something? And, and I, I think there's a place where people like Joe Manchin just do not get it. This is not about moderation. This is about conviction and consensus on things that matter. 
not being moderate. If the goal here is just to appeal to a certain group of people, then please stay home. We don't need to hear anything out of Joe Manchin. If he wants to save the country, and you will hear a reason why we need to save the country from an economic standpoint, and he has some serious ideas for how we're going to rein in big government, I would be glad to hear what he has to say. But if he's just looking for people to go along to get along, we already have too much of that. We already have two parties who continue to run this country down the road to hell. And yes, I did say both parties are doing this. They're the ones who keep overspending. And nobody is coming along with a plan, a serious plan, to rein in big government and bring us to a place of fiscal solvency. Nonetheless, Joe Manchin saying after months of deliberation and long conversation with his family, I believe in my heart of hearts, I've accomplished what I set out to do for West Virginia. I've made one of the toughest decisions in my life, decided I will not be running for re-election. What I will be doing is traveling the country and speaking out, seeing if there's an interest in creating a movement to mobilize the middle and bring Americans together. I, and, and, and if there is, who cares? It will be absolutely worthless. Because they will see this is this is one of the things that that nauseates me. You have people like Mitch McConnell. Well, it's very important we we focus on governing and getting things done for the American people. These are people who just want things to function. The key thing is getting things to function well, which should be under budget. Which means the government should get out of a lot of things it's doing the federal government was never intended to do. If you take nothing else from today's program, that's the distinction between governing and governing well. And you cannot govern well if you continue to bankrupt this country. Mansions reportedly been seriously becoming an independent has been seriously thinking about becoming an independent, so the Democrat brand has become so bad. The West Virginia senator is also yet to decide if he would run for president as a third party candidate under the no labels affiliation. <sighs> no labels, that bipartisan centrist group plans to raise $70 million to back an independent candidate for the 2024 presidential election. No labels has gained access to the ballot in Arizona, Colorado, Alaska, and Oregon. Democrat strategist David Axelrod said Manchin may run for president to serve as a graceful exit from Congress's upper chamber, where he could face defeat in a state that has West Virginia Governor Jim Justice, a potential challenger leading him by 22%. So this did not happen in a vacuum, as you know. The Republican Senatorial Committee, the chairman, Steve Dane, said in a written statement, we like our odds in West Virginia. I'm sure you do. This is even more of a certainty now that this will be a Republican pickup, which puts the Democrat Party on the spot. We don't want to assume too much, but this definitely changes that race significantly. Coming up, we're going to talk about the age issue and how the Democrats and the Joe Biden campaign may try to turn this issue around against Donald Trump. You say, really? I say, yes. We'll also talk about the economic state of the country. Moody's is out with news on our credit rating, it's not good. And Speaker Mike Johnson trying to work out a plan to fund the government for a short period of time. This and much more as we continue our Monday broadcast.
I love to get your thoughts on what's going on in the political world. Tim Scott dropping out. Those of you who may be supporters of Tim Scott, where do you go now? Nikki Haley? Ron DeSantis? Back to Donald Trump? What are your thoughts? Oh, I can't forget about Vivek Ramaswamy, who shows no indication that he is dropping out as well. Very interesting story in the Washington Post. And it relates to the age issue. Now, we all know that Mr. Magoo has some very serious issues as it relates to communication, uh, balance, and he's just not the man he used to be. It's very clear. I don't think there's any debating that. No objective person can watch Joe Biden now and say this guy has not uh, missed a number of steps. This post story is intriguing because the title of this, Trump's rival sees on opportunities to challenge his acuity. Biden's team seeks to neutralize the age issue while GOP hopefuls are urgently looking for ways to dent Trump's lead. The DeSantis campaign recently posted a thread of more than two dozen clumsy or confusing remarks by former President Donald Trump, positing that this is why his handlers won't let him debate. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, speaking to Jewish donors, mocked Trump for speaking positively about the leaders of China and North Korea, saying he's evidently confused about which countries are American allies and which are adversaries. And the Biden campaign stepped up its posts about Trump's verbal fumbles, including a minute-long video compilation of various miscues. In press statements, it has slammed Trump for mispronouncing Hamas and for musing aloud that the abbreviation for the United States is spelled like the word us. As Trump's Republican rivals face growing pressure to stop his momentum, while Democrats seek to neutralize concerns about Biden's age, the two sides are converging on a common argument that Trump's cognition has declined too far for him to leave the country again. This is an interesting line to go down. The Biden-Harris HQ account on X, formerly known as Twitter, sometimes even reposts jabs at Trump from the DeSantis campaign. When DeSantis' campaign War Room posted a video of Trump sounding confused at a rally in New Hampshire, for example, Biden's account shared it. Biden, as you know, is 80. He's faced a relentless spotlight on his verbal and physical stumbles, and polls suggest his age could be a major political vulnerability in 2024. His team is increasingly eager to point out that Trump, who is 77, just three years younger, is susceptible to similar missteps, which have sometimes been overlooked, and the other chaos surrounding the former president, including the 91 criminal charges he faces. Trump's freewheeling speeches and improvisational rallies lend themselves easy to mistakes, according to Rodell Molino, who is a Democrat strategist. He said, I think it's smart to also remind those who are shaping the coverage of this that, hey, Trump says some really ridiculous and crazy things, much more so, by the way, than the president ever does. In recent speeches, Trump has incorrectly described Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban as the leader of Turkey, falsely suggested Hungary shares a border with Russia, repeatedly referred to the Obama administration when he met the Biden administration, and at one point he inaccurately suggested he'd beaten Obama rather than Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election. Trump has also mispronounced on purpose as on perfect and Marxist as markers. He has combined the names of Florida Democrat Andrew Gillum and Florida Republican Adam Putnam to get Pullum. At the end of one speech, he warned the world must not slide into World War II. <laughs> Such verbal stumbles are hardly new for Trump, who in 2016 referred to the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks as 7-11. And 2019 addressed Apple CEO Tim Cook 
as Tim Apple. While the slips can be minor, not necessarily reflective of a broader issue, such mistakes have become political fodder at a time when critics scour Biden's public appearances for evidence of age-related blunders. Though Biden, like Trump, has a history of gaffes that go way back, even decades. So in that, there's no comparison. Because Trump makes so many inflammatory or controversial comments that seize attention, as critics say his flubs can be eclipsed. The former president suggested former Joint Chief Chairman General Mark Milley deserves execution, for example, and called Special Counsel Jack Smith deranged. For the Republican hopefuls who've been frustrated by their inability to make significant inroads in Trump's leads, raising questions about his mental acuity lets them distinguish themselves without attacking his record in a way that might alienate GOP primary voters. Haley, for example, took a swipe at Trump last month when she excoriated him for saying, shortly after Hamas killed more than 1,400 people in Israel, the Iranian-backed militant group Hezbollah is very smart. You remember that controversy. She said, these are not smart or good people, along with Iran's Ayatollah. They're the most evil dictators in the world. They want us to stay divided, distracted, and morally confused. With all due respect, I don't get confused. Ooh. Spokespeople for Haley's campaign did not respond to a request for comment. Just giving you a heads up about a line of challenge that may be right around the corner for the former president. He is not immune on this issue. Though we said clearly Biden has the bigger issue. Coming up, we'll talk economics and the country. Stay with us. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Come on, folks. Surely somebody has some perspective on this idea of going after Trump on his gaffes. Do you think this is going to work? Will people care? See, one of the things that I, you know, I was praising this about Tim Scott, who recognized the times. He recognized he's not the guy. And one of the problems for I, men in general, sometimes we just don't know when to stop. Now, there are, you know, there are those internal voices. Well, I'm not a quitter. Or I'm not a loser. Whatever it is. And a good part of the time, it's just pure, unadulterated pride. <laughs> it's, that's kind of a paradox here. I'm talking about pure pride, which is not a healthy quality, by the way. But there's a point, and in and, and my viewpoint, the view by which I look at the world around me, where healthy people know when it's time to go. And frankly, a lot of these older people, they don't know when it's time to go. Mitch McConnell should have gone home years ago. Yes, I'm thankful for what he did in terms of getting the judges, Supreme Court, justices through. It's not to in any way diminish the good things he's accomplished, but it's time to go. It's time for many of these old, decrepit people to get their asses out of Washington, D.C. It's time. It's past time. And many of them don't have the good grace and the humility to recognize, you know, I had my season, but it's time to move on and it's somebody else's season. It takes, it really takes a man or a solid woman to do that. Because again, a good part of the time, what people are motivated by is just pure unadulterated pride. We have a greater sense of our own importance. 
and we think, boy, they can't do without me. That is all the more reason not to be in political office. We have too many of those. Nonetheless, we move on and talk about money. Beginning with this report by MarketWatch. This is a story developed on Friday. And, I, and I'm very curious. How many stories have you seen on this over the weekend? And I, this is the kind of thing where I, I honestly have to ask the question, does anybody really care? <laughs> kind of reminds me of one of my favorite songs. Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? <laughs> Seriously. Did you like that, Bernie? Was that a pretty good Chicago rendition? Well, thank you. Um, I'm serious. I wonder whether people really care because they are thinking about the sexier issues, whatever those are. When folks, this is for all the cards. We blow up our country financially. Our dollar loses its status as the reserve currency. We're unable to pay our debts. This All of a sudden, a lot of these things we have been concerned about really don't matter anymore, do they? So here is the word from Moody's. Late Friday, Moody's Investors Service cut its outlook on the U.S. sovereign credit rating to negative from stable. Think about this, folks. Negative from stable, citing higher interest rates and doubts about the government's ability to implement effective fiscal policies. Well, duh. A negative outlook means that a rating may be cut in the future, but doesn't mean it will be. Moody's continues to rate U.S. sovereign debt AAA, the only one of the three major credit rating companies to maintain a AAA rating on the world's largest economy. The sharp rise in U.S. Treasury bond yields this year has increased pre-existing pressure on U.S. debt affordability. In the absence of policy action, Moody's expects the U.S. debt's affordability to decline further. Steadily and significantly, to very weak levels compared to other highly rated sovereigns, which may offset the sovereign's credit strengths explained below. In response to this announcement, the Treasury official said the agency disagrees with the warning sounded by Moody's. Of course they're going to disagree. This is what this is what happens when you have when you deal with moronic bureaucrats. They're not interested in an outside perspective that does not paint them in a positive light. They don't want the truth. They want to look good. Because this reflects on them. It ought to. While the statement by Moody's maintains the United States AAA rating, we disagree with the shift to a negative outlook. The American economy remains strong. Treasury securities are the world's preeminent safe and liquid asset. That's from Deputy Secretary of the Treasury, Wally Adeyemo. He went on to say the Biden administration's more than $1 trillion in deficit reduction included in the June debt limit deal and budget proposals that will reduce the deficit by nearly $2.5 trillion over the next decade put the country on sounder footing than the Moody's outlook would suggest. Moody said the rating could be cut if the company concludes that policymakers were unlikely to respond to the country's growing fiscal challenges over the medium term through measures to increase government revenue or structurally reduce spending to slow the deterioration in debt affordability. By the way, Fitch Ratings cut its U.S. credit rating to AA plus from AAA in August. S&P cut its AAA rating in 2011 after an earlier budget showdown. So this is a pattern. The question is, is anybody paying attention? Does anybody really take this seriously enough? Obviously, the lawmakers on Capitol Hill have not yet. And speaking of, still to come in the broadcast, we're going to talk about the latest challenge that is faced by Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House. He's got a plan 
to fund the government beyond November 17th. Can I tell you what today's date is? It's the 13th. We have four days for these folks to come up with a plan to keep the government funded so we don't have a government shutdown. Isn't this maddening to go through this nonsense over and over again? See, this is where, and this is another reminder to me, we do need to tackle this issue of Convention of States. It's time for one. The states have got to take this back and rein in the federal government. It's the only way this is going to happen. These people don't know their heads from their rear ends. They really don't. Sending, I, the more I look at this, and I don't really care what the office is, but I've come to the conclusion. <laughs> Scott says, you almost said these idiots have three days to come up with a plan. <laughs> yes, I did almost say that, Scott. <laughs> I'm trying to be kind here. But I was about ready to say, we're at a place where we really need good leadership. And I, I, I think the time is long past that I believe that we're going to send people to Washington to fix Washington. And I don't care what the office is. This is not to demean the members of Congress, especially the people I consider friends, Thomas Massey, Jeff Duncan, here in North Carolina. We've got folks who are true to conservative convictions but there just aren't enough Washington is not going to fix Washington it's just not going to happen nonetheless we'll talk about the Speaker of the House what he has proposed this time and what kind of chance it had whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you Wow, I fully expected somebody would call in and say, There you go again, Vince, picking on Donald Trump. You just can't help yourself, can you? I had somebody the other day send something. And by the way, if you'd like to stay connected, Vince Coakley, that's C-O-A-K-L-E-Y on X, and also the Vince Coakley page on Facebook. Look for the profile with me behind the microphone. I don't look at this page very often. I post stories that are going on, and I see some of the exchanges that take place. I know there are some trolls on there. Like one, uh, immediately after I made some comment about Donald Trump last week, someone so you really suffering from Trump derangement syndrome. You know, it's really funny. Because one of the signs, I'm just going to give this to you as a freebie. One of the signs of being in a cult is that you are programmed to attack people who disagree with your idol. I see this all the time. I've seen this in church cults and plenty of other things. <laughs> Chris, uh, I see this. And so what happens is uh, people become like attack dogs. They just go on the attack. Let me just tell you, by the way, and, and I've said this before in this program, there are two elements of Trump, Trump derangement syndrome from my perspective. There are the leftists who believe that Trump is the focus of evil in the world, which I don't believe that, by the way. And they will post 24-7 about how awful he is and how it's the end of democracy. Yes, I get that. It's just moronic. Interesting. The Washington Examiner is calling for Scott Christie and Ramaswamy to get out now. <laughs> okay. Um, but I was saying that one form of Trump derangement syndrome is that it's the leftist Trump is the devil himself. 
I'm going to suggest to you there's another form of Trump derangement syndrome. And that is the people who cannot believe that this man needs to be corrected at all. And he is to be venerated. And if there is one crossword said about him, the reflective reaction is to call that person a... Uh, what is the word? A rhino or a never trumper it's the same it's it's derangement it's just the flip side of the same coin it's also derangement to believe that someone does not need to be corrected sometimes see those of us who believe in sanity know we need to be corrected sometimes we're not always right I know that about myself and that's why I've got people in my life. Just this weekend, I was just commending and thanking a good friend of mine last night because he was challenging me on a particular area of my life. And I thanked him again last night. I said, thank you for standing up and giving me questions I needed to ask about how I was approaching something. Because he knows me and know well enough to know all right, Vince, this is a vulnerable area for you. And I didn't necessarily want to hear it. I really didn't. But I'm glad I listened. Receiving correction is a sign of maturity. Not everybody is against you. And sometimes even the people who are against you have good reason to be against you. Sometimes... You need to embrace even some of the critique of your enemies. They can be right sometimes. They're not always wrong. And just because they're on the, quote, wrong side does not mean that there aren't things that you can learn. And you can recognize, you know what? I do need to change in that area. Thank you. That's where it takes real humility. All right, let's quickly get to Mike Johnson. He's got a two-step plan to keep the government open beyond November 17th. It faces a major hurdle on the House floor this week. It's a big test for the new speaker. First major legislative test with just four days to avert a government shutdown. Already Johnson facing rebellion from his right wing as conservatives quickly criticized his plan on social media and vowed to vote against it, leaving him in a position where you'll likely need Democrat votes to pass the bill before the Friday deadline. The current short-term funding proposal includes a one-year extension of the Farm Bill. <laughs> Gosh. No reform. Status quo policies and status quo funding levels. Disappointing is as polite as I can muster. I'll be voting no. That's Warren Davidson, Republican from Ohio. Hopefully the consensus will result in a more reasonable bill. Other conservatives also blasted the bill, including Chip Roy, an influential member of the House Freedom Caucus. My opposition to the clean CR just announced by the Speaker to the House GOP cannot be overstated. Funding Pelosi-level spending and policies for 75 days for future promises. Complicating things for Johnson, Democrats remain noncommittal on whether they will back his idea, leaving him in a position where his first major piece of legislation may not even be able to get out of the House at all. Many dismiss the two-step plan as messy and unnecessary. But multiple members told CNN lawmakers remain open-minded given the fact the plan did not include steep spending cuts, a red line. Season is crazy. What do you think is needed in Washington, D.C.? Steep spending cuts. And they don't want them. Johnson's spending plan would fund government agencies through spending bills for the military, veterans affairs, transportation, housing, urban development, energy and water through mid-January. Then funding for the remaining government agencies would expire on a second date on February 2nd. It's a plan many Democrats have blasted as a gimmick. But have also acknowledged can't be dismissed outright, given the time is limited and control of Congress is divided. Chris Murphy saying we're going to proceed in the Senate on a clean CR without gimmicks, without ladders. 
It does worry me. The House process requires you to come back and deal with half the budget on one date, half the budget another date. Sounds to me a little bit of a recipe for failure. But I'm willing to listen to the case they're making. I'd much rather do what the Senate's doing. Just pass a continuing resolution that keeps the entire government open to the same day. See what you see what they want to do? Status quo. What got us in trouble? Status quo. What do these folks want to do? Status quo. Nobody cares about the long-term fiscal integrity of this country. But are you surprised? I'm not. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. It will be interesting to watch, to see how events unfold in the nation's capital in the next few days as we edge up to that deadline, the 17th. Will they come up with the funding needed to keep the government open? Stay tuned. Breitbart has a story about the ongoing battle between Israel and Hamas. Can I just remind you again, Hamas, this terrorist organization, they don't give a rat's ass about people. They don't. I wish there were an easy way to deal with this. I think we know by now there just isn't. There is no easy way. Here's what's happening. The Israeli Defense Forces delivered 300 liters of fuel to a collection point near the hospital in Gaza City. But Hamas will not allow hospital staff to retrieve the fuel, which is apparently necessary for the hospital. In a statement, the Israeli government said the IDF provided 300 liters of fuel for urgent medical purposes for the hospital. Hamas prevented the hospital from receiving the fuel. Last night, the IDF coordinated the transfer of fuel for urgent medical use. Early in the morning, IDF troops arrived at the entrance to the hospital and placed 300 liters of fuel for urgent medical purposes. Later, the IDF received evidence Hamas officials prevented the hospital from receiving the fuel. The IDF provided journalists with two recordings, one between a senior Israeli official at the Coordination and Liaison Headquarters and a senior Gazan official at the hospital coordinating the delivery of fuel to the hospital's interest. The entrance and another conversation between an IDF officer and a senior official in the health ministry in Gaza, who states the CEO of the Hamas Health Ministry, Yosef Abu Rish forbade them and prevented them from receiving the fuel. In fact, their statement on X, our troops risked their lives to hand delivered 300 liters of fuel to the hospital for urgent medical purposes. Hamas forbade the hospital from taking it. Gaza's Hamas-run health ministry has been warning for weeks its hospitals are running out of fuel. If so, why would they prevent the hospital from receiving it? I remind you again, they don't care. Throughout the war, Israel's provided evidence of Hamas using hospitals for terrorist purposes and hoarding fuel that's needed by hospitals and other civilian users. Hamas is known to have major facilities underground beneath the hospital, which is being evacuated. I remind you, we shared the story recently with you. This is not new, folks. Where the terrorists indicated these underground facilities are for them. And remember, their position is it's the UN's job to protect the Palestinians. They don't care about the Palestinians. This is heartbreaking to watch on so many levels. These folks are really screwed. They really are. 
I want to tell you about a developing story as well. ABC News reporting Marianne Trump Barry, the older sister of Donald Trump, has passed away at the age of 86. Marianne Trump Barry, former federal judge. She was discovered in her Fifth Avenue apartment at about 4 a.m. No signs of trauma or foul play. Emergency crews responded to a call of a person in cardiac arrest. A spokesman for former President Trump declined to comment. Barry was a senior judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit until she retired in 2019, appointed to the U.S. District Court for the District of New Jersey by then-President Ronald Reagan back in 1983, then appointed to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit in 1999 by then-President Bill Clinton. Barry retired amid an investigation into judicial misconduct related to alleged fraudulent tax and financial transactions made by her father and siblings. The investigation closed without a conclusion when Barry retired February 2019. Three of the president's four siblings have now died. Robert Trump, his youngest brother, died in 2020 at 71. Fred Trump Jr. died of a heart attack at just 42 in September 1981. As you know, the former president's relationship with his older sister was toward the end of Trump's presidency when Donald Trump's niece, Mary, published in her book and released audio recordings she made of her aunt, Marianne, bashing her younger brother. Barry saying in a conversation secretly recorded by her niece, as reported by the Washington Post, all he wants to do is appeal to his base. He has no principles, none, none. And his base, I mean, my God, if you are a religious person, you want to help people not do this. But the siblings had been on a road to repairing things. According to ABC News, they saw each other as recently as this summer at Trump's club in Bedminster, New Jersey. Just another reminder to us of our uh, humanity and the fact that we, this is where we're all headed. What do you want to do between now and dead? I would suggest one of them. If you have any relationships that are not restored with family, deal with those now. Don't wait. Deal with those now to the best of your ability. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Final stretch of our Monday broadcast and coming closer to home... And issue, boy, this has been an issue uh, ever since I've been here in Charlotte. The question about arts funding. Charlotte Observer has a story. Charlotte's arts plan calls for more government money. Do we need to raise taxes? Four years ago, just after the Mecklenburg County voters rejected a sales tax increase that would have ensured a steady stream of money for arts and culture in Charlotte, some of the biggest arts organizations in the city were in crisis. Mint Museum, $3.4 million deficit. Charlotte Ballet, Charlotte Symphony, Discovery Place Museum, all net losses. Combine these four organizations, $7 million in the red in 2019. Marcus Jones telling city council members, we're going to be closing buildings on Tryon Street if something doesn't change. Charlotte City Council moved quickly to find help, creating a new arts and culture board to distribute funds and rallied the Foundation for the Carolinas to help with private fundraising, committing $12 million a year to the arts through an infusion fund of private donations matched by public dollars. The Band-Aid plan intended to be only a temporary fix while a permanent solution was devised. Now, 
Nearly three years into the transition to a structured system for funding arts in Charlotte, the city's at another crossroads. City Council will vote today on whether to adopt the Charlotte Arts and Culture Plan presented by the city-formed Arts and Culture Advisory Board. That plan includes a list of eight priorities the board urges the city to focus on, along with broad strategies for achieving results. High among the priorities, ensuring the groups historically marginalized in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Arts and Culture sector receive equitable, accessible, and inclusive support and funding. But major questions persist. Who exactly will fund the art sector? How much will be needed? And who will be in charge of distributing funds? I'm curious as to what you think about this. Don't have to answer today. But think about it. Is this something local government should put more money into and prioritize? Just curious. So what your feelings are on this. I know there have been all kinds of controversies about arts funding and the type of things that were funded. And um, while the subject matters have changed, the overall issue, it's still with us. How much of a priority should this be for local government? It's a fair question to ask. Time for us to take a quick look at the day in history. How are you doing today, Bernie? I'm great, Vince. I hope you are. <laughs> Sorry, um, I accidentally hit the outro there. <laughs> I was supposed to hit the day okay. in history, but my bad. You're, you're fine. It's okay, man. Oh, happy Monday. Happy Monday to yeah, you. Yeah. Four items here. 1789, Franklin declared, nothing is certain except death and taxes you darn well better believe it that's right still with this since 1789 in fact it's gotten worse 1940 disney's fantasia debuted in new york city and it's still great especially in a theater 1954 immigration processing center at this place was closed and a lot of people have suggested we need to reopen this there's old videos showing what happens when people first come to the country and they go to this place for processing. Do you remember the name of it? That's a tricky one, isn't it? I do it? not. I don't know. It's Ellis Island. Ellis Island. Okay. Ellis Island. And last, are you a big music fan? Yeah. Yeah, I you like in, music. You yeah. into rap, hip-hop? Yeah, yeah. It, like 90s hip-hop. Not, not really the modern... What you would call, I guess, rap nowadays. Like, Do you know who released in 2002 the 8 Mile soundtrack? Oh, Eminem. With Oscar-winning Lose Yourself. You are correct. Yeah, yeah. To that, can you believe that's been 21 years ago? Nah, it makes me feel 30? really old. Because that's a great movie. 8 Mile is a great movie. It reminds me yesterday, I ran into a couple of police officers that I've known for a while and one of them commented, you know, yeah, I grew up watching Vince on TV. It's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Vince, so, you don't have to say it. I'm not going to be Bo Thompson and make you say it. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm not going to say it either. God forbid. <laughs> oh, Vince. Get a load of this. Do you, how good are you at singing? I'm, I'm okay. I like to think I'm okay. I'd rather not sing on air or anything like that. Well, this is a pretty interesting story reported by Insider. A Delta crew member threatened to remove a passenger who repeatedly tried to sing her new gospel song on the flight. <laughs> I saw that video. <laughs> the Delta Airlines crew member threatened to remove this passenger who just wouldn't stop singing. A Grammy-nominated gospel singer posted about the encounter on Instagram. Many of the commenters were not sympathetic at all, saying the employee did his job. So, I mean, Bobby Storm... Trying to take the world by storm, haha, took to Instagram to share this video of the altercation. And, you know, Storm walked up the aisle before being told to sit back down. The video showed her taking her seat, turning the people around to tell them she just found out she was up for two Grammys and released a symbol. We can't forget him. 
Daily Mail reported Storm was a featured vocalist on Maverick City Music's latest Grammy-nominated album, The Maverick Way Complete. The band is a Christian singing group nominated for Best Gospel Album and Best Contemporary Christian Music Performance and Song. Storm didn't respond to requests for comment from Insider, made outside regular working hours. I sing for the Lord, Storm said in the video shortly after. The Delta crew member approached Storm and told her, Be quiet. I'm doing what the Lord is telling me to do, Storm continued. Crew member repeatedly asked Storm in the video whether she could sit quietly during the flight. Ultimately said, if you're not able to follow my instruction, you won't be able to take this flight. Storm appeared to concede at first when the crew member walked away. Then she continued to sing on the low. <laughs> Delta representative told Insider the company had been in touch with Storm, declined to comment further other than to say for the safety of our customers and crew, it's always important to follow crew instructions. And no, I don't care what she's singing, she needs to shut up and sit her rear end down. All right? Sorry. That's all the time we have. Have yourselves a great day. God bless you.